You're listening to Cover Up, Body Brokers. Before you dive in, if you want to listen to the whole story uninterrupted, you can. Unlock the entire season ad-free right now with a subscription to The Binge. That's all episodes, all at once. Unlock your listening now by clicking subscribe at the top of the cover-up show page on Apple Podcasts or visit getthebinge.com to get access wherever you get your podcasts. Campsite Media. The Binge. This show contains graphic content that may be difficult for some listeners. Please listen with care. While reporting this podcast, I learned about a guy who was larger than life, a sort of modern-day Renaissance man who wrote short stories and also rode bulls. His name was Gerald Hollenbach, but as a young man, he'd gotten a memorable nickname. While serving in the Marines, his fellow Marines thought he was rather prickly— Plus, his figure was sort of burly and stout, so they started calling him Cactus, and it just stuck. Cactus married a woman named Shirley May. She had two young daughters from a previous marriage. One of them, Diana, was really impressed by his crazy tricks. His claim to fame was he could tear a a phone book in half with his bare hands. And this was in the 60s and people used phone books. And he he told us as girls one night, he said, I could tear a phone and we're, we didn't believe him. And he, my mom got one out and he ripped it in half with his hands. And it got to be kind of a joke because he would do it so often that my mom would have to go out and get phone books or ask the neighbors for theirs, you know, because He was always ripping them in half. Diana McBride is now in her 60s, and she works as a magazine publisher in Southern California. She's thin, long blonde hair, no nonsense. Recently, we talked over Zoom. Diana was at her house in a gated community in Orange County, outside Los Angeles. Diana told me that as Shirley May and Cactus got older, they wanted to leave city life. They wanted a quieter place, with open spaces. They were drawn to Montrose, Colorado. They liked the town. The air smelled clean. Everybody was so nice, trusting. But then, a few years ago, something happened that wiped away that idyllic veneer. It started on a spring morning. Shirley May was at home with Cactus, who was now in his 80s and struggling with dementia. She had fed him breakfast, and she went outside to water. And when she came back in the house, he was on the floor um, and had passed away. And she called the paramedics, but she told me later that she knew that, that he was already gone. Cactus and Shirley May had known this day would come. And to prepare, Cactus had talked with his wife about his final wishes. They had a little uh, Shih Tzu-type dog that both my mom and stepdad loved dearly. And when Mitzi passed away, they had her cremated and they kept her cremains. And my stepdad had, had always told my mom, you know, if anything happens to me, cremate me and I want to be with Mitzi. Cactus might have been sentimental, but he was also practical. One of the funeral homes in town was offering a great deal, a steep discount. It was Sunset Mesa, 
the place run by Megan Hess. My mom said, oh, yeah, because you could drive around town. And Megan Hess had um, advertisements that a simple cremation was, I believe, $6.95, something like that, somewhere around $700. And my stepdad said, that's, the, that's what I want. I don't want you to spend a lot of money. I just want to be cremated. And, you know, that, that place has a good price. Funerals and cremations can run thousands of dollars. $700 was a steal. So Diana's mom made the arrangements for Cactus to be cremated at Sunset Mesa. But later, when she got her husband's ashes back, she didn't scatter them with the ashes of Mitzi the dog. She had this feeling, a suspicion, that something was wrong. And she said, I would go back in the bedroom, Diana, and I would say, Cactus, is it you? Is it you in that box? And she said I'd wait, and then I would hear kind of in my head, you know, a voice saying, no. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, Body Brokers. Episode 2, Cactus, Is It You? I'm Ashley Fonts. This is Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. I'm Steve Taylor, your host to a horror anthology podcast where we ask you to depart from your safe perception of reality to descend with us into the frightening depths and dark corners of twisted imaginations. With carefully curated original tales of terror each week, our deepest rooted fears are brought to the forefront by a diverse cast of voice talent and masterfully eerie sound design that bring these stories to life. We'll give you tales of unnerving encounters with the occult, harrowing hauntings, and sinister seances that show just how darkness knows no bounds. Make sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Sunset Mesa Funeral Home was a family-run business. The funeral director, Megan Hess, ran it with her mother, Shirley Koch. Their business motto was, Our family, taking care of your family. Yet, gradually, this image of the caring family business began to erode. Like in the last episode, I told you about an old coal miner named Harold Kressler who wanted to donate his body to cancer research. But then Megan made the outlandish claim that she'd performed that research herself. Now, here was this other client, Shirley May, 
who felt the ashes in the box Megan had given her were not actually her husband Cactus at all. Turns out inside the funeral home, employees began noticing weird stuff too. Let's go back a few years to Sharla Downing, the PR person at Sunset Mesa Funeral Home. When we left Sharla, it was 2012, and Sharla didn't just like her new job, helping people prepare for their own death or the death of a loved one. She thought of it as a moral calling. Those people are opening up to you into one of the most vulnerable times that they will ever go through. And you have an opportunity to share that with them. And I wanted to do that. Sharla soon learned Megan was actually running two businesses under the same roof. There was the regular business of Sunset Mesa, the funeral home. And then there was Megan's related body donation business called Donor Services. And Donor Services would become very important to everything that followed. Donor Services was a way for people to donate their body after death to medical science Megan said that just a small sample of the person's body would be removed and sent away for research. Just that little sample could lead to huge advancements in medicine, cures for diseases, helping a person walk again, restoring sight to the blind. In exchange, Megan would give her donor clients a discount on cremation. In a town where a lot of people were poor, That made people feel like Megan understood what it felt like when money was tight. She talked about knowing how hard this time is for people, that they are so vulnerable. And I don't know how many times I heard her say, we'll take care of everything. You don't have to worry. We'll help you. Gradually, though, Sharla began to see other sides of Megan. The longer I worked with Megan, the more anomalies I began to see. I began to see things that were not making a lot of sense to me. Like one time, Sharla was at the office and the phone rang. There was a lady out of town who had ordered a headstone through her, and it had been, I don't know, a year, maybe a little over a year, and... The lady said, I need to know if it's been placed. But when Charlotte asked Megan about it, Megan put the blame on everyone but herself. I can't remember the exact details now, but it was this lady's fault that it was so slow. And then the monument place that was doing it for us was late and they said they were having problems. And later I walked outside and it was sitting out by the garage. And I thought, how long have we been lying to this lady? about her loved one's marker. And I was the one that had to call and tell her, no, we don't have it yet, we're still waiting. Um, and we, I said, Megan is calling on it and following up, we're just not having much luck. Oh, wow, Charlotte, that must have been really hard to lie for her. It got harder at once, yes. What, what was the purpose of lying to that woman about a headstone that was clearly already there? But wh- why, why lie to this woman? Uh, because she's just not doing her job. Because she had it there. It could have. She could have taken it out and had it placed. And she just didn't schedule it. She was not going to make any more money off of it. I see. It wasn't important enough to her. This didn't really seem like the person Charlotte thought she'd gone to work for. 
and lying to grieving people in order to cover for Megan, that didn't feel good. Like I say, by this time, I'm beginning to figure out this lady is good at funerals. She's good at convincing you that she will take great care of you. But once your funeral is done, especially if you have paid her, she's pretty well done with you. And I don't know what to do about that. But it wasn't just about Megan not seeming to care about clients. When you come in the front door of the funeral home itself, there's a little entryway with a little couch. And on the left was a chapel, on the right was Megan's office. And I walked in one day and there was a chainsaw. They lived on a farm, so I really didn't think too much about it, but it kept staying there. And I finally asked one day, why do we have a chainsaw in the office? And I said, what is this equipment? Why does it keep showing up? Well, that's technically how we get parts of the body to, to donate. I didn't ask any questions after that. I, excuse me, <laughs> what do you say to that? And it was very ma- matter of fact. Remember, Megan's mother, Shirley, was in charge of embalming bodies for burial or preparing them for cremation. One time, I knew they were way behind. I said, you want me to go help your mom? She said, oh, no, no, you don't want to do that because that's really, really awful work. Awful work? To Sharla, it seemed that Megan was saying that her mom used a chainsaw to take bodies apart. Sharla wasn't an expert, but a chainsaw? That didn't seem right. This was another moment, like when Sharla walked into that freezer and saw all those dead bodies piled on top of one another. She couldn't make sense of what she was seeing, so she second-guessed herself. She tamped down her suspicions. And she also figured it wasn't smart to directly challenge her boss. And I'm thinking, what are we doing? But I was an employee just trying to do a job. Megan was a ruthless businesswoman, but she could be pretty vindictive too. And I did not think it would be a good thing for her to be vindictive against me. So Charlotte didn't tell anyone or raise any alarms. She just started to pull away. So that's kind of when I began cutting back my hours, um, mostly because I could see things that just weren't right. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Is Meghan Markle like Princess Diana? Or is she just a social climber? I was silent. Were you silent or were you silenced? Is she a breath of fresh air or a master manipulator? That's what we're going to find out on my podcast, Infamous. Apparently ambition is a terrible, terrible thing. We'll look at what happened when two dysfunctional families came together. It's the family that I suppose she's never had. And how Meghan and Harry going Hollywood all went down. Only on the podcast, Infamous. Sharla stuck it out doing PR for Megan for a couple of years. By 2013, she'd had enough. 
she told me that Megan asked her to lie to another client. I had to go back to them and lie, and I quit not too long after that. I couldn't do that. At the time, she just kept her concerns about Megan to herself. What she didn't know was there were other people who had their own suspicions about Megan, and they weren't going to stay quiet. These people were Megan's professional peers and her clients. And in 2014, they wrote complaints, formal ones, in writing, to Colorado's Department of Regulatory Agencies, the entity that is supposed to oversee funeral homes. Within these complaints are some really alarming allegations. They said Megan was mishandling bodies. One family said Sunset Mesa had embalmed their grandfather without permission. Another client wrote that Megan had treated her father like a science experiment and, quote, cleaned him like a trout. There was one email that blew my mind. It's from a local coroner. It more or less begins, I've heard a lot of things about her operation. Her mother is her harvester. I heard many people say they think her donation service is a conflict and that she harvests and sells body parts that families don't know about. The coroner goes on to say, it is frustrating. I've talked to you for a long time about my problems with her and getting permits back and my suspicions. I'd like to see something done, if it all is true, because it seems criminal to me. So here's where we are. Charlotte had seen a chainsaw in the office and was told it was used to remove body parts for Megan's body donor business. Then, clients started accusing Megan of mishandling their loved ones. And now, a local coroner was suggesting that Megan and her mother were selling bodies. Megan insisted to the state that the accusations were overblown and the claim that she was selling human bodies, pure gossip. At the time, regulators weren't allowed to inspect a funeral home unless the owner allowed it. And Megan, she was not opening her doors. And so that was that. The attempts to ring the alarm about Megan failed. The state renewed Sunset Mesa's license and it continued to operate. All these allegations about Sunset Mesa were sitting in some bureaucrat's office hundreds of miles away in Denver. It was all written out, documented, right there in black and white. But back in Montrose, all Shirley May Hollenbach had was a gut feeling that something was wrong. As you heard at the top of the episode, Shirley May's late husband, Cactus, was cremated at Sunset Mesa. She told her daughter, Diana, about her bizarre experience going to the funeral home to get his ashes. She said, I went to Sunset Mesa to get him, and there was a gal there at the front desk, and she went in the back and came out and said, I, I can't find him. I can't find a Gerald Hollenbach. Shirley May was stunned. What do you mean you can't find my husband? The employee went to the back and then came back up to the front and told Shirley May, I'm sorry, I can't find his ashes. Shirley May asked to speak with Megan. That isn't going to happen, the employee said. Megan's on vacation in Hawaii and she's not even available by phone. She'll be back next week. 
And so when my mom was reciting this story to me, I was in disbelief. I had to stop myself because I get very, you know, heated and I want to get answers. And I said, Mom, I want to call Megan on Tuesday and I want to get to the bottom of this because this doesn't sound right. She was like, well, honey, oh gosh, I don't know if you should call her. She was, now when you call her, don't be mean. You know, don't don't yell. Because again, this is part of this whole thing with Montrose and how you have to be nice to people. But keeping up appearances wasn't really Diana's style. I am a very tenacious person, and when things don't make sense to me, I, I can't stand it. But Diana thought the best approach with Megan was to be Montrose nice. The following week, when Megan returned from vacation, Diana called the funeral home. Diana talked with Megan and politely asked, did she know where exactly Cactus's ashes were? And so immediately she got defensive and said, oh, no, no, it wasn't that they couldn't find him. It was a paperwork issue. It was, I started the paperwork with your mother, and I'm the only one that can finish it. She just kept saying, it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. Megan kept interrupting Diana, talking over her, but Diana continued to press. Did Sunset Mesa have any kind of system for keeping track of bodies? She did say something about everybody has a number, but that was it. She never described to me what this process was. It felt like Megan was doing anything she could to get off the phone. I could tell Megan was getting more irritated with me because... I, I wasn't going to have it. I wasn't going to let her recreate history or change the facts around. Diana's persistence seemed to work. Megan said she would personally deliver Cactus's ashes to Diana's mother, Shirley May. Later that same day, Megan pulled into the carport outside Shirley May's trailer. She said as soon as Megan got out of her car, she said, Shirley, I'm so sorry, Shirley. I'm so sorry. I had him in my safe. And that's why they couldn't find him. Then she gets into the house and she has the box and she's like, Shirley, tell me where you want him. I don't want you to lift this box. It's heavy. And so my mom directed her to the back bedroom and she saw the picture of Cactus that my mom has in his, his military uniform. And she said, I didn't know that he was a veteran. I need to get you a flag, Shirley. Do you, I, I let, let me get a flag for you. When my mom was reenacting all this to me, I thought, man, this woman, I, I could see like this pattern of manipulation. Diana decided it was time to fly out to Colorado. She wanted to take a look at those ashes herself. Unlock all episodes of Cover Up, Body Brokers, ad-free right now by subscribing to the Binge Podcast channel. Not only will you immediately unlock all episodes of this show, but you'll get binge access to an entire network of other great true crime and investigative podcasts, all ad-free. Plus, on the first of every month, subscribers get a binge drop of a brand new series. That's all episodes, all at once. Unlock your listening now by clicking subscribe at the top of the cover-up show page on Apple Podcasts or visit getthebinge.com to get access wherever you get your podcasts. Just weeks after her stepdad Cactus died, 
Diana touched down at the Grand Junction, Colorado airport and drove an hour south to Montrose. When she got to her mom's, she waited for a bit before asking to see Cactus's ashes. She didn't want to seem too aggressive. Her mother was grieving. But when she finally did ask, her mom brought out a cardboard banker's box, the kind for storing files you might find at Office Depot. Her stepfather's name was on the side, written in Sharpie. I took the lid off, and inside was a very thick plastic bag. I mean, it looked like cremains. I mean, it was all gray and, it, you know, dust looking, and you could see larger particles in it. But it had a twist tie on it. It did not have, it didn't have the proper sealing that I had researched that is supposed to be done and then an ID tag or anything. I looked at that and I just, my heart sank and I thought, I'm not, I'm just not going to freak out right now about this. Diana needed to focus on taking care of her mother. And there was a lot to do. We spent um, that whole following week uh, going to the bank with my mom, getting accounts set up, getting things done. And my husband and I at night would talk. We'd go back to our hotel room. And it really did plague me. It plagued him, too. He, he said, Diana, here's the thing. Your mom, she has been through so much. Um, at the end of the day, what are you going to be able to do? And I really did kind of think this is a lost cause. I was very upset and angry about it, but I didn't know how it would serve me to keep pushing the subject. And so we flew home and I continued to stay in daily communication with my mother, but it bothered me so much, um, you know, just thinking what really happened. Diana didn't know if she'd ever get an answer. But then her mom told her she had received a voicemail. It was from a reporter who was looking into Sunset Mesa. He'd interviewed an employee who had told him about Cactus's missing ashes. Now, this reporter was offering to send the contents of the banker's box to be forensically analyzed. Diana was intrigued. She wanted the truth, but would her mom agree? What Diana didn't know was that all this time, her mom had been talking to the banker's box. She would turn to that box and ask, Cactus, is it you? And the answer she heard back was no. She then confessed to me that she never really was confident that she had cactus. <laughs> like, are you kidding me, mom? So I think we were kind of playing this game with each other. I thought, okay, as long as she's confident she has him, I'm fine and so forth. But she said, no, I just thought you'd think I was crazy, you know, that, that I talked to him or that I would hear an answer in my head. And so what that showed me though, is that she still had questions and suspicions. Diana and her mom agreed. They wanted the truth. They agreed to have the cremains tested. And when the results came in... There was all kinds of metal pieces mixed in with the cremains. There was a backing to a wristwatch. There was parts from a metal zipper. There were metal rivets that like, are on blue jeans, you know, around the pockets, the metal rivets. Cactus had passed away wearing only his pajama pants and a T-shirt. He didn't have a watch on, or any metal for that matter. Not only that, but the analysis showed that the ashes were that of a woman. So it was pretty conclusive to us that this was not cactus. 
The news felt devastating. To Diana and her mom, this was like losing Cactus all over again. You know, the place I come from, and a lot of people do, is, you know, there's reverence for the dead and, and respect that you, you pay. I, I pursued all this more for my mom because my mom uh, just to this day, you know, loves him and uh, misses him. What brings it home for me is I think about my own husband. When I stop and think about my husband and his body after he passes away, something like that happening to, to him, oh my gosh, I, I would probably be arrested or in jail. I would have gone after her myself and, and done something. Diana now had scientific proof that Megan Hess was a liar. Later, she would learn something even more chilling, that in the back of Sunset Mesa, Megan and her mom kept a five-gallon bucket with a scoop. What's more, they were combining the ashes of many different people and handing that out to families. I had to understand who would do all this. What kind of people pretend to comfort grieving families, pass off a pile of random ashes to them, and then sell their loved ones' bodies? What were Megan Hess and her mother really after? That's next time on Body Brokers. Um, were you aware that they were dismembering people there? She was morbid. Her head is warped. Her sense of humor was warped. Everything about her is, is totally demented. Hmm. What did she learn from him? How many bad habits did she pick up? So she did not want me to go into the forbidden territory, for lack of other words. Cover Up Body Brokers is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment. The show was reported and hosted by me, Ashley Fonts. Elizabeth Van Brocklin is the senior producer. The associate producers are Rachel Young and Callie Hitchcock. Field producers were Megan Burney and Monique Laborde. The editors were Emily Martinez, Matt Scher, and Anthony Puccillo. Sound design mix and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Fact-checking by Sarah Ivry. Recording by Jimmy Guthrie at Arcade 160 Studios in Atlanta. A special thanks to our operations team, Doug Slaywin, Ashley Warren, Sabina Mara, and Destiny Dingle. Campside Media's executive producers are Josh Dean, Vanessa Gregoriadis, Adam Hoff, and Matt Scher. If you enjoyed Cover Up Body Brokers, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.